We're back. Either take his legs or you got to take his arms. Take but you got to take one away. Take his legs. Because- All right. Welcome back to another episode of the Saturday Six Podcast. It's episode 15. We have been through the entirety of the regular season, and we're ready to get into some conference championship games this week. I am your co-host, AJ, here with my brother, Tyler. What's going on, man? It's championship week. It's what everybody waits for at the end of the season. Uh, You may be a little bit more excited if your team made it. Uh, So it's an exciting time. Still a ton of implications for these college football playoffs that we're working our way towards. So uh, it's going to be a good one. Yeah, definitely some big games this weekend. Um, We had lots of good games last week. It was rivalry week. Um, try to say that one five times fast if you can, but it was the week of the underdog, man. We were just going over some of these scores and, uh, some of the results for last week. And like I said, man, it was the underdog that was coming out on top in the majority of these matchups. So let's rewind. Let's go back to week 13. We had an sec showdown that was going down on Thanksgiving day. We were excited about the egg bowl and, Really, it was it was a great game. We had back and forth action all night. Mississippi State going on the road to Ole Miss, two uh, two programs that uh, just hate each other. And Ole Miss was a two point favorite. We were on opposite sides for this one. I took the Bulldogs. You took the Rebels. It was the Bulldogs that come out victorious. Final score twenty four to twenty two. Mississippi State wraps up their regular season at eight and four cracks the uh, top 25 in this week's playoff rankings and Ole Miss wraps up at eight and four as well. So um, just touch on that one briefly uh, why your pick maybe uh, didn't quite go how you thought it might. Yeah. Well uh, with recent news coming out of Auburn, this makes it a little bit less interesting, but uh, still interesting that ever since that Auburn head coaching job opened up that Lane Kiffin hasn't won a single game. I mean, (laughs) Obviously, uh, if you guys aren't aware, Liberty head coach Hugh Freeze uh, got hired on at Auburn. little yep. side note there. He has uh, coached in the SEC before as well, so he's got a little bit of experience. But He was at Ole Miss. Egg Bowl game. Yep, back to this Egg Bowl game. Um, it was back and forth. I mean, I don't, I don't think you can hate any part about what either one of these teams did. It was just one of those good knockdown dragout games that – like I said last week, that's what the Egg Bowl has always been, and that's what we were looking for. And it was just the wrong side of the uh, coin for me this week, last week. Yeah, it was it was a toss-up game. Vegas was telling you that uh, with the home team only being favored by two. So a uh, big win for Mike Leach. Uh, I know you're you're a big Mike Leach fan after we went down that rabbit hole last week. So uh, they'll, they'll wrap up the season on a high note. Still got a bowl game to play in. Um, but no conference championship game for either of those SEC West schools. After that, though, let's head to the AAC. We had a good matchup with a lot on the line because one of these teams had a chance to host a conference championship game this week and potentially make it to a New Year's Six Bowl. We're talking about number 19 Tulane going on the road to number 24 Cincinnati. Both teams were sitting at 9-2 and two, looking for that uh, for that nice round number that 10th win on the season and again it was a it was a coin flip game uh since he was favored by one we said you know let's just pick them and it was the green wave two lane that come out on top they're victorious in this one 
Final score, 27-24. to 24. They had just enough there at the end, led by quarterback Michael Pratt and uh, Tajay Spears, that running back. Um, what did you see out of Tulane that, that maybe had you um, uh, jumping onto the bandwagon here late in the season? Tulane's hot, and it's just the right time for them as they're winding down their season. Uh, you mentioned it, dude. They've got some absolute weapons on offense, and they're using them so efficiently. Uh, it, it's really a sight to see there. For Cincinnati, I, I think they came out a little bit flat, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, it wasn't – for me, the, the play calling was just very, very vanilla. It looked like they were playing not to lose instead of to win. Sure. Uh, wasn't very, they weren't very edgy or risky with their play calling, which, you know, is, is a stark difference from what you saw last year when, you know, you had such an experienced quarterback in Desmond Ritter, you know, on that side of the ball. So uh, I think that's what loses it for him. Yeah. No, I have to agree. And um, I, I came away really impressed with that Tulane defense. You know, obviously they've got weapons on the offensive side of the ball, but uh, they've played really well all season long on the defensive side of the ball. Um, they've racked up 10 wins now. They'll host a conference championship game in their own building um, coming up this weekend. So lots to look forward to. If you're a Green Wave fan, um, they'll also be headed to a New Year's Six Bowl, more than likely as the highest ranked group of five team. So exciting stuff for Tulane. Um, Cincinnati, though, still, I, I think you got to give Luke Fickle a lot of credit. Um, he's now moved on. He accepted the head coaching position at Wisconsin. But, uh, you know, after making the playoff last year and losing all the talent that they did, I think a lot of people wrote off this Bearcats team. But uh, a 9-3 and three regular season is nothing to shake a stick at. Not um, at all. And congratulations to Luke Fickle. That's a, that's a big-time job with a program that actually can do something. So I'm yeah. excited to see what he does there in the Big yeah, Ten. For sure. Um, let's move on to the game. It was one that we were expecting to be really good, man. It was number three versus number two, the Michigan Wolverines undefeated, going to Columbus to face off against the undefeated Ohio State Buckeyes. And it was the Buckeyes that were a huge favorite, a touchdown and a half you had to pick them to win by. And it just never really went that way. It never really got even close to Ohio State pulling away with this one. Michigan gets a huge win on the road, second year in a row now that the Wolverines have knocked off the Buckeyes final. And that one was 45 to 23. And uh, the storyline going into this one was Michigan's run game and Michigan's defense versus the high powered Ohio state offense. Everybody's talking about, you know, can Michigan keep up with Ohio state, but nobody was talking about can Ohio state score enough on this Michigan defense. And they just weren't able to uh, Michigan really controlled the entirety of that game. Yeah, I agree with you. One big thing that I saw is Ohio State, instead of just being the more physical team and saying we're going to come out and we're going to be physical, you saw them creep more and more guys into the box to try to stop that Michigan run running attack mm -hmm. and just dare J.J. McCarthy to, to beat him with his arm. And they dared him, and he showed out. And that's, yeah. exactly, what, that's exactly what he did. So for me uh, – Ohio State just kind of looked like imposters. You know, it kind of, you know, puts a bad smell on the entirety of their season just mm -hmm. because uh, when it really came down to it, their only answer for Michigan's run game was to commit everybody that they could to it, which absolutely exposed them uh, as far as the secondary goes. Uh, 
that's what loses yeah. it for them. They they, they lose pre- pretty bad, and uh, they get knocked out of this uh, college football playoff race potentially. Yeah, a couple of things. I'm glad you touched on uh, McCarthy. I thought um, I agree. I think Ohio State uh, they gave up some runs early. They started creeping those safeties closer to the line of scrimmage. And really, it wasn't like McCarthy was, you know, nickel and diamond, dinking and dunking all the way down the field. It was big shots, you know, so it's like play action. And then he throws a 70 yard bomb and, you know, the receiver does the rest and takes it to the house. Um, so I was impressed. That's exactly that, what you got to do, though. Right. Right. And they stuck their game plan and it worked out. I think on the other side of it for Ohio State, like. How good is this team? You know, it's like, sure, you, you went 11 and 0. But that's exactly what we expected you to do. And we all knew that it was going to come down to this game. You knew that it was going to come down to this game. And you just, like you said, you just straight up got exposed on on defense. Your offense didn't do a whole heck of a lot. Uh, a lot of people are talking about C.J. Stroud for Heisman. And I think that's a lot quieter now this week. Um, so, yeah, just really disappointing uh, performance by the Buckeyes. I want to hit the rewind button and take it back to week one week two week three I don't remember exactly but it was early in the season where I was talking about this Ohio State team and how anything short of a national championship game appearance would be a letdown would you agree that that is still the case yeah I think you mentioned it week two after we uh, spoke on their awful performance against Notre Dame although it was a although it was a win Uh, but I agree Ohio State it's it's one of those teams where you know, they're always in the race until they're not at the end of the season. They always do something to ruin that. And and it's disappointing. I don't know if you look at Ryan Day as head coach, hasn't really been able to get it done since I think you have to. Urban Meyer was there. Yeah. Um, but Urban Meyer really didn't get it done all that much either. So, yeah, it's just disappointing. And if you look back historically over the last 10 years, I don't think Ohio State has given up a game to Michigan in the last decade at home. Yeah, the, they they've lost to Michigan two twice, and it's been in the big house. Yeah, I so don't think this. I don't is, think they've historical. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I don't think they've lost at home to Michigan since like '03, so it's been yeah. nearly 20 years. I think I think a little bit of blame has got to be placed on Ryan Day. You know the expectations for that program, and this was my reasoning for saying that about Ohio State early in the season. The amount of talent that they have on the offensive side of the ball, especially, but in general, I mean, every single year they're they're cranking out top five, top three recruiting classes. To have a Heisman contending quarterback, to have all of the embarrassment of riches at wideout that we know that they've had over the last two seasons, and to not not be able to make it into this playoff more than likely for the second straight year. Just a, a huge, huge disappointment for the Buckeyes to not be able to get that done um, while you had C.J. Stroud. Right. But enough of that Buckeye talk. Shout out my boy Keyshawn. <laughs> Kept hearing him say, we'll see you in the playoffs. Oh, uh, no, you won't. And uh, congratulations <laughs> to Michigan, but moving yeah. on. Yeah, absolutely. Moving on to uh, another rivalry game that had uh, some people excited because one of these teams was getting hot at the right time. And I'm talking about the South Carolina Gamecocks who are going on the road, going to Death Valley to face off against the Clemson Tigers. Clemson was a huge 14 and a half point favorite at home. And we were both on the same side. We said, you know what? That spread is just way too big. I'll take South Carolina to cover. I think Clemson maybe pulls it off at the last second. 
but they weren't able to do that. South Carolina comes out victorious. Final score, 31-30. to 30. Spencer Rattler looked great again. Um, and the Gamecocks are just just rolling right now. I don't, I don't know that I would want to play them um, with the amount of momentum that they've got knocking off two top ten teams in back-to-back weeks. Beamer ball. Yeah. Dude, they finally got it figured out. And honestly, I'm a little disappointed that they, you know, just figured it out. Dude, if they could have beaten Florida, if they didn't have that bad loss to Florida, mm-hmm. maybe they win another game or play Georgia closely, something like that. I mean, yeah. we're talking about a serious contender. I mean, they've they've got what it takes. It's just they've struggled throughout the season of putting it all together at yeah. once. You see flashes from the defense. You see flashes from certain guys on offense. Uh, Juju McDowell, uh, Spencer Rattler, quarterback. But they finally have the cohesion that they need to actually make this a complete football team. And I think if they did it a little bit earlier, we'd be talking about, you know, South Carolina, you know, having an outside chance of maybe getting in. But yeah. Look, too little too late, but this is a very good team. I think head coach Shane Beamer has them headed in the perfect direction. No, I totally agree. Sitting at eight and four now as you wrap up the regular season, I think Beamer's got them headed in the right direction. And a team that is really feeling themselves, got a lot of uh, momentum, a lot of stuff to be proud of. Obviously a bowl game left for them. Um, Clemson has still got a a tiny shot at making this playoff. It doesn't help that North Carolina has looked awful the last couple of weeks. Um, So that won't be quite such a quality win if they're able to pull that off this weekend. But um, yeah, just... Just tough to see. And, again, we talked about, you know, Michigan not getting many wins over Ohio State lately. It's been years since South Carolina's knocked off Clemson. So, got to give credit where credit is due there for the Gamecocks. But let's move on. Let's head out west to the Pac-12. We had another rivalry game going down. It was number nine, Oregon, at number 21, Oregon State. And it was the road team, the Oregon Ducks, that was favored by three points in this one. And it just – Never really happened. It was a good game, back and forth game, but ultimately it's the Oregon State Beavers that come out on top. Final is 38 to 34. We both thought Oregon would cover that three points pretty comfortably. And uh, it's just, it's Bo Nix on the road, right? (laughs) The kid looks great at home, plays out of his mind, and then he goes on the road when the stakes are a little bit higher away from home and uh, just sort of falls flat. Yeah. I mean, wow, dude. I I think that. This just speaks to how much rivalry week actually means to some of these teams yep. and uh, and the amount of parity that can go on during rivalry week. It, it's it's not that either one of these teams necessarily played a bad game. I think Oregon still played good. Bo Nix didn't have his Heisman moment, which, you know, I don't think anybody's talking about him in that race anymore at this point. Yeah. But, you know, it, it, it's this rivalry week. It's – it's the in state and nobody's traveling that far, but you know, home team does have a little bit of an advantage there. And, you know, it, it shows with Oregon state, they look good. Yeah. Huge win for the Beavers. And I mean, it was, again, it was the Oregon secondary that just seemed to get exposed over and over uh, in their losses this year. Um, whether that's against. Yep, that's um, been the story, right? Georgia, Oregon state, Washington, um, all three of those losses that they've had, it's been just a pitiful performance um, by their corners and their safeties in the back end. So um, both of these teams wrap up the regular season at nine and three. Um, so still potentially some good bowl games in store for them. 
but uh, we'll keep an eye on those two two teams as we uh, as we move on. But before we do that, let's head to the last game that we were picking against the spread last week, number six of that Saturday six. It was number fifteen Notre Dame going on the road to face off against a number six ranked USC Trojan squad. They were sitting at ten and one on the season, only lost being to that Utah team, and they were favored by five and a half at home. Now, this is one that we were kind of on opposite sides for. Um, we both thought five and a half is too much. It'll be closer than that. But you even took the Fighting Irish to win this game straight up. Instead, it is the Trojans that get a huge win for the second week in a row. USC covers that five and a half pretty comfortably. Final is 38 to 27. What did you see out of the Trojans uh, in that game that uh, has maybe got you considering them as a contender in this playoff? They're playmakers. I mean, it's the same names that we can talk about all season. It's Caleb Williams. It's Jordan Addison, a wide receiver. I mean, yeah. these guys are studs. They have the ability. They have the star power to be able to do this. Um, they've just looked shaky at times uh, putting it all together, which is why I went uh, the way of Notre Dame, which was coming yeah. off of, of a couple big wins uh, that they, they needed. So are they legitimate contenders? We'll get into that during a conference championship talk here. But nonetheless, Lincoln Riley's doing some huge things this year with yeah. this, you know, as a first year head coach, trying to build the the culture uh, and the cohesion within a, a program like that. He's doing a great job. It's just consistency. You yeah, got to be consistent. Sure. It only gets harder from here on out. The, the level of talent that you're going to play is only going to get better and better for the rest of the season. For sure. Yeah. Going into that game, I, I thought the reason it would be a little closer is I thought Notre Dame would be the more physical team. I thought that they would be able to establish a run game. And for once this season, USC's defense actually looked pretty solid. Um, I know that's not a, a vaunted Notre Dame offense by any stretch of the imagination, but uh, I thought the Trojans had just enough um, in order to, to maybe think that they could get something done here in the next couple of weeks. So um, we'll obviously keep an eye on them as they play in a conference championship game this week. And not a terrible season for Notre Dame either. They wrap up at 8-4 and four, um, after the way that this season started. A lot think, better than it was looking. Right. Yeah, it, was, it was looking really <laughs> bad there for a second. So I think with all that being said, not a terrible first season for head coach Marcus Freeman. Um, but that was our six games against the spread. We both did pretty decent as well. Still hovering right around that 500 mark against the spread. Doing much, much better picking these games straight up. Obviously, that is a ton easier. But let's go ahead and talk about those college football playoff rankings because there was a little bit of a shakeup at the top. But other than that, there's really – I didn't see a whole ton that stuck out to me that that really gave me some concern and or really had me distrusting this playoff committee. Um, one through 10, anything that stuck out to you? Uh, not really. I mean, I'm pretty happy with the way this is. I think you could potentially flip flop number 10 in Kansas state with number nine Clemson. But other than that, I, I think they got it right. I think the college football playoff, this might be the first time I've ever agreed with them this much, but I, I think I think everybody's right where they need to be. The teams at this point have earned their rankings. I think that a few of them might get exposed with where they're at in these bowl games here, yeah. potentially. But overall, I got to give it to the college 
football playoff they i think they have the best 10 teams ranked the way that they're supposed to be yeah so just to run through them real quick you got uh georgia sitting at number one still michigan moves up to two after a big win over ohio state that also bumps tcu up to number three uh southern california the usc trojans move into that fourth spot all four of those teams have a game this weekend so we could potentially see some more shakeups going down but uh on the outside looking in you got ohio state at five bama at six Tennessee at seven, Penn State at eight, the Clemson Tigers at nine, and Kansas State sitting there at number 10. One gripe that I've heard out of a lot of uh, fans that wear orange is the fact that Alabama at 10 and two is sitting one spot ahead of Tennessee at 10 and two, with obviously Tennessee having the head to head win. You don't see any issue with that? I don't. I get the whole head to head win thing. I think if you're talking about who is a better team right now i think alabama is still that better team i think uh and this is such an alabama thing to say but you know if it was <laughs> if it's a neutral site it, it, if it's in tuscaloosa i think alabama wins that game handedly at least comfortably yeah but at least by more than tennessee won this game won that game earlier in the season yeah uh, I, I think that they, they are the more talented team and if you look at Tennessee and Alabama and you look at the teams ahead of them, Ohio State, USC, TCU, Michigan, Georgia, I think that if both those teams played all five of those teams, I think Alabama comes out with a better record than Tennessee does. Yeah, obviously it was a, a last-second field goal at the end there at home for Tennessee to knock off Alabama. I think if you put both of those teams, um, even with a, a healthy Hendon hooker on a neutral site field right now, I think Alabama is probably – a point spread favorite uh, for good reasoning. So um, I, I can't disagree with that. I know Tennessee fans, you, you were hoping that you could sneak back into that playoffs just to get obliterated by Georgia again, but it's not happening. Not this year, at least. If it wasn't such a bad loss to South Carolina, I give them a yeah. little bit more of a chance. Yeah. That was just, that was really what I think did them in. That was just uh, not a, not a pretty showing whatsoever for the volunteers, but. Um, that's it for last week, man. We had uh, some really good games that went down. We have got some really good ones on tap with tons of college football playoff implications going down this weekend, starting on Friday, actually. So uh, what do you say? Let's jump in. Let's go. 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 All right, let's go. Thank you, Mr. Brady, for another awesome uh, transition there. Let's do it, man. Sorry about let's... your divorce. Yeah, sorry about that, bud. Uh, <laughs> sorry about your record right. this year. Uh, <laughs> still, uh, you're good at something, man. You're good at transitioning us into the next uh, segment of the podcast. But um, Michigan Wolverine alum, so that's right. A little yeah, bit excited. Got a little something to uh, be excited about, um, other than being a billionaire. But <laughs> no envy over here. Uh, let's talk about week 14. It is championship week, baby. It's here. And if your team is still uh, in the hunt, if your team is still participating this weekend, then you got something to look forward to because, you know, even if you don't uh, have a spot in the college football playoff on the line, you have a shot at uh, maybe keeping one of your conference foes out of that playoff 
And I think that's enough to uh, get some of these teams excited and uh, ready for these games. So without further ado, let's jump in to the Pac-12 championship game. It's going down Friday night at 8 o'clock, and you got number 11, Utah, 9-3 and three during the regular season, facing off against number 4, USC. They're 11-1 and one on the season, and they're favored by 2.5 points in this game. Now, if you hit the rewind button and go back a few weeks, you'll remember that this is a Utah team that pulled out a last-second win against the Trojans. Final in that one was 43-42. to They went on a two-point conversion there as time expires. Um, what is it going to take for this, uh, for this result to be different so that the Trojans can make sure that they get into this playoff? I don't think it takes much. I think, one, I think historically we've seen how hard it is to – beat a team twice in one season. Not only that, I think USC's kind of seen what Utah's going to do. And more so than that, Utah's got nothing to lose. USC has everything to lose. And that's the way with a couple of these games here. I mean, USC has everything to lose. They're putting it all on the line. This is their one shot. If they lose, they're out. So I I think the the Trojans, I mean, they got to be prime, dude. It's Jordan Addison. It's Caleb Williams in prime time. The big biggest lights of their career they got to get it done now and both these at least jordan addison he's on to the nfl there's no doubt about that right right so uh i think that they want to go out with the big win they want to make it to the playoffs and i'm going to take the trojans by a field goal it's not much so i'm comfortable with it if it was a little bit bigger i'd probably go the other way but i like the trojans by field goal yeah, I think you made an interesting point about, you know, these teams and what they have to play for here. You talked about US uh USC's got everything to play for and Utah is really just trying to play spoiler here. So right. a lot a lot of times what you see in that scenario is the team that's got everything to play for comes out a little bit tight, you know, maybe not as relaxed as they should be, whereas the team that is uh just kind of there to play spoiler like you said, nothing to lose. So, you know, pull out those gadget plays out of the playbook and and really just let your nuts hang and go play. Because like you said, really, you're, you're just trying to spoil somebody's season and, uh, and play, uh, play the villain here in this scenario. So, man, this one's a really tough one because uh, I've been, I've been high on Utah all season and probably lower on USC than most have. I think this USC team is kind of getting hot at the right time. I think, uh, obviously, two huge wins back-to-back. A lot of people weren't picking this team to beat UCLA, much less go on, you know, go uh, the next week and beat a Notre Dame team that a lot of people thought um, would be able to get the better of the Trojans. So, does USC have anything left in the tank? You know, is that is that something that we could see where they're – look, the regular season is a long season, and I think that's why the last couple of weeks we've seen some games – um, and some final scores that uh, didn't reflect what we necessarily thought might would happen because uh, these teams are tired. They're banged up. They're injured. They've got guys out. Off the top of my head, I don't know of any significant injuries in this game, but I just got to think that USC is pretty banged up after playing a good UCLA team, a good Notre Dame team. Oh, man. I, uh, I'm going to take the Trojans, but I'm, I'm not super confident in that pick. I think two and a half is uh, just enough that I'm willing to take them to cover. If that was three or three and a half, I think I might would take Utah. I don't know if they can win that game outright. 
obviously we've seen that they can, but will Cam Rising have enough to get it done? Will that Utah defense be able to come up with one or two stops when they really need it? I don't know that I feel super confident in that. I think Caleb Williams is your Heisman Trophy winner, and I think this is potentially one more scenario where he could come out and prove that he is that uh, best player in college football. So I'm going to ride with you on that one. I'll take USC to cover, but if Utah wins this game, I I won't be surprised in the least bit, would you? No, not at all. And and one thing uh, against USC here. Is my big question is Lincoln Riley. I mean, yeah, he won some conference championships with Oklahoma, but historically in these big games, these playoff games, I mean, his teams have crumbled and they they've crashed and burned pretty hard here. So is this another one of those the moments too big type scenarios for him? That's one yeah. thing I'd be looking out for. No, absolutely. I I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. I think that one's going to be a really good game. Um, and like I said, it's going down on Friday. So uh, make sure that you're tuning in and you uh, get to catch some of that games because it, like we saw earlier in the season, these teams are pretty evenly matched and it should come down to uh, the fourth quarter there. So um, enough on that Pac-12 championship game. Let's head to the Big 12. We got a top 10 showdown. And uh, I don't know that that is something that we saw coming because you got number 10, Kansas State. They wrapped up their regular season with a nine-win season, nine and three, but they are facing off against a number three undefeated TCU Horn Frog squad that week after week they've just found a way, battling back in the second half, playing good defense when they need to, um, being explosive on offense when they need to. It's the Horn Frogs that are actually favored by two and a half in this game. It's a noon kickoff on ABC on Saturday. And again, these two teams have already faced off this season. We'll have a rematch in the last uh, episode of this one. We had TCU coming out with a 10-point win. 38-28 to was the final in that one. What does Kansas State have to do differently to pull off a huge upset? And uh, I don't know if it'll be enough to, to keep TCU out of the playoff, but it could definitely be a huge statement for the Kansas State Wildcats. Uh, I, don't, I can't even recall the last time that they won a Big 12 championship game. Yeah, the recipe for the Wildcats is stifling defense. I mean, you've got – TCU has so many studs right now. We can, you know, say their names at nauseum. We already have, so I won't do Duggan. it. But stifling defense for Kansas State, I mean, we've seen it once. It's the Battle of the Purple once again. Yeah. Um, yeah. But that, that, that's exactly what they Oklahoma. need. Oklahoma. They and, and Kansas State needs to get, at, get out to a big first half. We know TCU's not very good at that. So if Kansas State can get out to that big first half and then their defense is fresh because their offense has been on the field so long that their defense has fresh legs and enough in the tank to make it through that second half, I think that they can survive. Yeah. I don't think that it's a pretty win. I if, if they win, I don't think it's a pretty one. I think they survive the second half. But – the, the like you said, man, TCU, they've just found a way to do it all all season. It's their uh it's their Cinderella season. Maybe I don't want to go as far as say Cinderella because they're pretty good year in and year out. I think the Horn Frogs find another way to do it. I think TCU is gonna be the next uh Cincinnati in these playoffs where you gotta put them in because they look so good, but then they get absolutely but you really blown don't out want and, to. Yeah. And 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 nobody ever wants to give them a chance again. Right. I think I think that's kind Kind of a scenario, maybe a foreshadowing on on some picks to come if they yeah. do win this game. 
for me, uh, that last game that they played against each other earlier in the season, it was it was one of those games where TCU sort of got lucky in the fact that um, Adrian Martinez got knocked out of that game early. They were in a huge hole. I want to say they were down like 28 to 10 in the third quarter and uh, obviously, you know, went on to win that game. So they scored a bunch of points um, unanswered there in the uh, third and fourth quarter. But I don't know, man. Uh, I, I've been riding with TCU all year. I, I picked against them once, and then they made me look foolish. Obviously, Max Duggan, we've we've said that name plenty of times. Quentin Johnson on the outside, just an absolute stud, guys. If you get a chance to watch this game, just watch number one. I'm, I'm sure he'll make a ridiculous catch at some point. Uh, he's all of six foot four, maybe six foot five. He uh, turns 50-50 balls into more like 70-30 balls, 80-20 maybe. Um, just an absolute monster. He'll be a top 10 pick more than likely in the NFL draft. And then uh, Kendra Miller, the running back. But uh, for me, I, I need to see another defensive performance out of this Horn Frog team like they had against Texas. That game where they limited Texas to three points until the last couple minutes of the game. I think you need another one of those because we've seen Adrian Martinez look pretty good at quarterback for this Kansas State team multiple times this year. And like I said, I think TCU could lose this game and still make the playoff. I know they don't want to do that, but I think Kansas State has got a lot to play for here. Like I said, a Big 12 championship game uh appearance is not something they find themselves in a lot but a win would be huge i'm gonna do it i'm gonna take the underdog i like kansas state to win this game straight up it's just like it's just how many times can tcu continue to pull off wins week after week after week when it looks like they're down and out and then at the last second they're running a kicker onto the field to, to pull it off with no time left on the clock. I just – I think their luck runs out this week. I think they still get into the playoff as a four seed. But uh, I'm, I'm going to take the Wildcats in this one. I got Kansas State um, not only keeping it within that two and a half, but I'm going to take them to win this game straight up. What do you think about that? Uh, that's interesting. The spoilers, Kansas State. Does TCU get in as a four seed if they take a loss here? Yeah, I think it depends on what kind of loss it is. If they lose by twenty or, or more, uh, they're they're probably out in my book. I mean, I I think that they're toting uh, a pretty thin line here. I don't think they have a lot of leash with this college football playoff committee, just not being established in these playoffs yet. Yeah, I think what really helps is the fact that they've already beaten Kansas State. You know, like we talked about how yes, hard it is yes. to beat a team twice in a season. So I think they might just get, you know, a little bit of a bump by the committee considering the fact that their only loss is a team that they beat by 10 points earlier in the season. So I think they can lose. They can't lose big, but I think they could maybe afford a slip up here. And I'm, I'm picking that to happen. I, I think Kansas State and Adrian Martinez has just enough here to uh, upset the Horned Frogs in the Big 12 championship game. So with that being said, let's head to the SEC, an SEC championship game with a lot on the line for one of these teams. You got number 14, the LSU Tigers, wrapped up their regular season with a record of nine and three. They're headed to Atlanta to face off against the number one ranked team in the country, our Georgia Bulldogs. They are 12-0 and on the season. 
and they're favored by 17 and a half points. A huge spread, four o'clock kickoff on CBS on Saturday. And again, I think this is a spot where UGA could lose this game and they are more than likely still going to be in that playoff. I don't I don't see any kind of scenario where they drop more than three spots here. But this is a Tigers team that when they're good, they're good. When they're bad, like they were last week against Texas A&M, they're bad. And a huge, huge, huge point um, of emphasis that you need to keep an eye on is the health of LSU quarterback Jaden Daniels. He's rumored to be banged up. He may not play. If that is the case, I'll take Georgia by 50. If that is not the case, if he's able to play, I still like Georgia win this game. But can they do it by 17 and a half and cover that spread? What do you think? I think it depends on how Georgia wants to play this game. Um, I think that Georgia is looking for a statement. You got to remember, they were national champions last year, but they did not win the SEC championship. Yep. So I think that they're hungry for this one. I think that there is just such a huge talent gap. The fact that LSU is even in this really kind of irks me right now. Um, I think that Alabama is the better team coming out of the West. I get the head-to-head win, all that. But to put a three-loss LSU team in it is almost just disrespectful to me at this point. Um, I don't see this game being competitive for very long. Georgia has had some issues uh, starting games kind of slow, which I really want to see them not be that way, I guess. Uh, I want want to see them really establish the run game, but also take some strikes downfield because they got the, they got the skill level to be able to do it. If this UGA offense is clicking on all cylinders though, I think this could be one of the biggest blowouts of championship week. I think this is probably between the sec and the big 10 we'll get into. I think that these are two of the games where the discrepancy between the two teams is the largest. And I think we could see the, the biggest blowouts here. So I'm going to hammer UGA 17 and a half. I haven't taken them all season. We haven't covered them much, but I haven't taken them all season. And I think that they can do it. I think that they win really big here, make a big statement and move on. No, I tend to agree with you. I think um, you touched on something there that I wanted to speak about for a second. I think this Georgia team could be as good as they want to be. And let me explain that for a second, because what I mean is, We saw early in the season, they beat the crap out of Oregon. The offense looked elite. They beat the crap out of a South Carolina team that's now ranked in the top 25. That game was, what, 47 to nothing or something like that? Just an absolute blowout, a team that beat two top 10 ranked teams the last couple of weeks in South Carolina. Um, And then the last few weeks, you've seen their offense just look vanilla, just look a little pedestrian, like, like they sort of uh, were holding some cards close to the vest. And then I was listening to a, uh, a podcast, a Georgia football podcast that I like to listen to. And there was some there was some audio that was captured after the win against Tennessee in the locker room from Kirby Smart. I wasn't sure that uh, he wanted this leaked, <laughs> but basically he's saying he said something to uh, quarterback Stetson Bennett about Um, how they took the air out of the ball there in the second half and how they kind of dialed it back and how they purposely got a little vanilla there in the second half. And I think you saw the the same thing happen against Mississippi State in the first half 
against Kentucky in bad weather, against Georgia Tech last week in bad weather. I think Kirby Smart knows that his team is much more talented than those teams, and I think he knows that he doesn't have to, you know, have the gas pedal hammered to the floor in order to beat those teams. And I think he's probably smart in doing that, no pun intended, um, just because, like I said, they're more talented, and even with a vanilla offensive scheme, I think they were able to uh, get comfortable wins in those games. But when Todd Munkin, the offensive coordinator, wants to dial it up, We've seen him be able to do that multiple times this season. And if you were saving it, if you were saving a little something in your back pocket, I mean, you got three games left. Now's the time to break it out, right? I agree with you. I think this is a Georgia blowout, especially if Jaden Daniels isn't able to go. Even if he is able to go, I just – he's not going to be able to cause the problems – for this Georgia defense that he's caused against the Alabamas of the world. Um, this defense is just too damn good. And uh, I see the offense scoring early and often. You do have to keep an eye out for uh, for the LSU edge rushers. They have uh, B.J. Ojolari and uh, Harold Perkins are absolute studs on the outside. Dude, those guys are monsters. They're monsters, and it, that's the one thing that gives me a little bit of worry. Like, if they can make Stetson uh, run around a little bit and get to him some – then I think that could cause some problems for Georgia. But at the same time, Georgia's got two tackles that as Georgia fans, we haven't uh, really heard their names mentioned at all this year, and that's a good thing. Usually when you're not saying an offensive lineman's name, that means he's doing really freaking well. So uh, I, th I think Georgia's got what it takes to, to, to blow this LSU team out of the water. I will be in attendance for this game. I cannot wait to, uh, to be there and cheer on our dogs. Um, to an SEC championship that has escaped them. They've been there five times over the last six years and only come, come out with one win. So um, if you think this Georgia team is uh, maybe not motivated to win this game, I'll tell you that you're wrong because I guarantee you that those boys want to pull home, uh, bring home an SEC championship game or an SEC well, championship What's the recipe for LSU to pull out this upset? Do you have one? Um, a healthy quarterback that is able to not only make plays with his legs, but is accurate throwing the ball. And then you got to get Stetson Bennett off of his spot. You got to get those pass rushers pinning their ears back. Like if you can, if you can get Georgia behind the chains, like if you can stop the run on first and second down, get them in third and long and maybe uh, force Stetson Bennett to make a couple of errant throws, which look, I am by no stretch of the imagination a Stetson Bennett hater. He has won a national championship for our Georgia Put money Bulldogs on already. Him for Heisman. I did, and uh, I mean, it was ten bucks that uh, would have turned into a whole lot of money. So I'm not upset about that. But he has been known to make one or two egregious throws a game where you're kind of like scratching your head, "What are you doing there, kid?" type of thing. But uh, I think in big games. He's always showed up and played really well. When you talk about Oregon early in the season, when you go back to the playoffs last year, he played some of his best football in the playoffs last year. So um, I think when the lights are shining brightest is when Stetson Bennett, um, Stuquavius Bennett, really plays his best ball. Um, I just – a lot, a lot has got to go right here for LSU. They've got to win a turnover battle, probably make a couple of plays on special teams. And I think that's just too much of an ask here for uh, Brian Kelly in his first year at the helm for the Tigers. Would you agree? 
I think it's a lot. I think also Brian Kelly is just one that uh, those big games just kind of elude him yeah. uh, in the win column there. Yeah. Uh, I think it's a lot. It's a lot to put together. Is it impossible? No, we have seen some shaky play by this Georgia team. Uh, but but I think you said it. I think Georgia plays really great when they need to, and then they get out of the games that they just need to get out of. Mm-hmm. So, Yeah, and on top of that, like, don't forget this game's being played in Atlanta. Like, this is going to be a Georgia home game, basically. You're going to see a 75-25 uh, crowd split in favor of Georgia here. So um, it's going to be loud for LSU on offense, and uh, I just – I just don't think they have enough. I don't think this game is even going to be close. With that being said, though, we've covered three games. We got three more games to pick against the spread for our Saturday six picks. Let's head to the American Athletic Conference and touch on two teams that have already faced off this year, but one team has got a whole heck of a lot to play for. We're talking about number 22, UCF. They wrapped up their regular season with a record of nine and three. And they are going on the road to number 18, Tulane. Tulane is sitting at 10-2 and two on the season. Um, they are obviously the home team. That's how the AAC does their conference championship game. And it's the Green Wave, that Tulane team, that is favored by three and a half here. You got to pick them to win by more than a field goal. It's a 4 o'clock kickoff on ABC on Saturday. And... Uh, like I said, these two teams faced off previously this this year, and it was the UCF Knights that came out with a 38-31 to 31 win. What does Tulane have to do differently in this game in order to uh, not only win a conference championship game, but to cement themselves in a college football playoff New Year's Six bowl game? You got to do a couple things. You got to play the Tulane football that we've seen over the past couple weeks. I mean, these guys have been on fire uh, for the last couple weeks here. And then you've got to contain Plumley. Yeah, you got to contain the quarterback. I mean, JRP, as I like to call him, John Rice Plumley. JRP. I mean, JRP. The guys, JRP. The guys are whole. The, club. <laughs> the guys are whole offense. I mean, yeah. it's not some elaborate blueprint scheme that you that you gotta like take. You got to take one thing away from him, okay? You yeah. got to either take his legs or you got to take his arms. Take but you got to take one away. Take his legs. Because it <laughs> it sounds I'm not I'm not saying hurt the guy. <laughs> I'm saying you you've either got to contain him into the pocket and make him appear you got to make him one dimensional. You make him one dimensional, yeah. you make this whole offense one dimensional. Yeah. I mean, the guy can just do too much. Yeah. So if you if you can make him one dimensional, I think that it's a much more manageable game, and you're giving your offense the chance to keep up, which yeah. I think is very possible. I think being at home helps a ton. I know Tulane lost at home to UCF already, mm-hmm. but again, how hard is it to beat teams twice? Yeah, it's it's so hard. It's absolutely freaking difficult, man. I'm I'm not gonna give any team a chance to win twice in a season just because of how little you see it. I think I'm going to ride the big green wave here. I got Tulane. It's three and a half. I, I think they can win by four. Uh, I think it's going to be right there at it. Uh, yeah. If, if they don't, I think I think they lose by three or they win by four. It, it's going to be very, very close. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I think that Tulane defense has looked really good over the last several weeks. Um, obviously, we've touched on Michael Pratt, the quarterback, and Tajay Spears, the running back. 
They've got they've got weapons on that offensive side of the ball. But like you said, man, they've got to slow down Plumlee. Um, he, he ran all over them last time, and he's very capable of having that happen again. Like, he's very capable of doing that again to this Tulane team. Uh, but like you said, man, it, it's just really tough to beat a team twice. Um, I still think, like, UCF sitting at number 22 and Tulane sitting at number 18. I think if UCF pulls off this game and they've got two wins against Tulane, I think you've got to bump them ahead of Tulane in the college football playoff rankings, which means that UFC or UFC got freaking prize fighters going on outside. Um, got UCF could potentially make that New Year's Six Bowl as well as the highest ranked New Year's or the highest ranked group of five football teams. So. Uh, lots to play for for the Knights and lots to play for for the for the Green Wave here. Not only do you have a conference championship at stake, but a huge program building uh, bowl game that you could uh, cement yourself in. So, so Utah USC they played earlier this season. Utah winning. I picked USC this go around. Kansas State TCU TCU won last time. I picked Kansas State this time. I'm gonna take UCF to cover. I think this is a really close game. But I'll take Tulane to win this game by two, three. Like if, if they win by a field goal, Tulane uh, or excuse me, UCF is still covering there. So um, I'll take UCF just to make that graphic look a little bit different, uh, a little bit prettier. But uh, I'll, I'll take the Green Wave to uh, win that game and win the American Athletic Conference Championship for uh, the first time in a long time. So that would be huge for uh, whichever team can pull this one off. Little last second walk off field goal that'd be fire. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think this is uh this is a game that went back and forth last time, and it just seemed like Tulane just kind of ran out of time there at the end. So uh, you know, maybe last team with the ball type of thing. Uh, I just Plumlee and that UCF offense has got a lot going for it. I think that they've got enough to keep this within that three and a half. Um, but hey, Tulane could very well um, cover that as well. So. I love to see the kickers get the glory in these big time moments. I mean, yeah. they're such a small piece, but they're also just so important in this yeah. game. I love to see them get the glory when it matters most. For sure. You get one or two plays a game and uh, you'll either uh, be in the penthouse or the doghouse, depending on how those two plays go. So um, let's head to the ACC. We got two more conference championships to touch on in the ACC. We got number nine Clemson. They wrap up their regular season with a mark of 10-2. and two. They're going to face off against a number 23-ranked North Carolina Tar Heels. They wrapped up their season at 9-3, and three, and it is the Tigers that are favored by 7.5 points. you got to take them to win by more than a touchdown and an extra point. 8 o'clock Saturday night on ABC. Tigers, Tar Heels, two teams that have not been playing great football as of late. But uh, two teams that could really, really, really use a win here and bring home a conference championship, considering the fact that both of them are more than likely out of the college football playoff looking in. I like this UNC team. They're they're an interesting little team to look at. I mean, you've got a freshman quarterback who's playing out of his mind in May. Yeah. I mean, this guy is ridiculous. I, I really like what the, uh, I like the prospect of of what they. have have going for them maybe not this year but you know in in one two years i think that this could be uh, a really good foundation that they're getting going this year clemson is just 
for right. me, Clemson what Clemson team is, are we going to get? Yeah. And I hate saying that because I've said that so much this season. I feel like I'm just beating a dead horse here because uh, I use that phrase about a couple different teams. But Beat it up. It's, it's, it's absolutely that. Are you, you going to get an electric offense? Uh, what quarterback are you going to get? Are you going to get the defense that looks like Swiss cheese or are you going to get the defense that has five five-star prospects on it and a, yeah. and a couple first-round draft picks yeah. on the defensive line there? Clemson has all the pieces to go win a national championship if they could put it together for an entire season, which obviously they didn't. They're you know very, very unlikely that that happens. Mm-hmm. But they have it all there. It's just putting it together. I will say Clemson is, you know, they shine when the lights are the brightest type yeah. of team. They always look good uh, in these big-time moments. They have dominated this conference uh, for the past however many years. Yeah. It's ridiculous at this point. Yeah. I mean, you basically just hand Clemson the ACC championship. So I'm going to hand it to them again. Uh, I, I like them. I, I like the favorite. I know I've gone with all the favorites so far um seven and a half though yeah i I think they can do it i they gotta do it all but it's not unattainable against a unc team that they got some bright spots sure but they're not playing their best football that they could yeah no i think um this is not a north carolina team that a lot of people expected to be in this spot a lot of people were taking miami um, out of that side of the conference to face off here against Clemson. And uh, I don't think a lot of people were picking Clemson to go 10-2. and two. A lot of programs would love a 10-2 and two season, uh, but obviously the standard has been set pretty high there in Clemson. So I don't know. Again, it's like Dabo, he's stuck by DJ all season long. Like he's thrown Kate in there a couple of times and gotten him a little bit of action when he thought they needed a spark. And it's worked out once. It hasn't once. So I I got to commend him for at least sticking by his guy. I don't know, man. I just – seven and a half is a lot for a Clemson team that I haven't really seen dominant performances from. I still think they got enough to win this game, but I'm going to take UNC actually to cover seven and a half. I think this is a really close game. Probably both teams scoring in the 30s just because I don't know that I trust Clemson to uh, hold Drake May and uh, – Josh Downs, that receiver, I mean, he was a five-star coming in, um, one of the few five-stars that uh, the Tar Heels have on that side. So um, I think that maybe May to Downs is uh, a hookup that we see a couple of times on Saturday. And North Carolina keeps this one competitive for all four quarters and keeps it nice and close. But I, I like Clemson just because, like you said, like they've been in this spot plenty of times before, and North Carolina hasn't. And that's really, uh, really, I think, as simple as I can put it for you. So I'll take the Tigers to win this game, but I like North Carolina to keep it within that seven and a half points. Just a little too much for me there. Uh, But we've got one more game to pick, and it is the Big Ten Championship game. You got uh, a huge favorite on one side and uh, maybe a reason why we should get rid of divisions and just have conferences in college football because – you got Purdue sitting at eight and four. They're going to face off against number two, Michigan, who was undefeated after a huge win against Ohio State last weekend. And it's the Wolverines that are favored by 17 points. I was expecting that to be a little bit higher, but you got an eight o'clock kickoff on Fox. And again, it's like 
really Purdue Michigan like I would <laughs> I, I would take Penn State Michigan or Ohio State Michigan again um, a million times before I would throw Purdue in this freaking game so um, not a lot of intrigue I would much rather watch Clemson North Carolina as bad as that game's going to be so um, what do you think man Wolverines do the Boilermakers have a shot here um, I think they can keep it within 17 but is there any chance here that they can win this game and upset Michigan? Dude, I'd take Michigan to cover the spread against any team in the Big Ten right now. I'm, they've got it going, dude. They've got the rushing attack. We've finally seen J.J. McCarthy prove that he can win games with his arm like we did last week. I mean, there's nothing that tells me that Michigan can't absolutely cover the spread. I think uh, – this is a Michigan team that even though they know that they can win this handily, they want to show out at the same time. This this is a show-offy type of Michigan team that wants to put those big scores up, and yeah. they've got every capability of doing so. Purdue, I mean, you shouldn't be in this game. Yeah. You just shouldn't be. This is the best argument for getting rid of divisions that we have right now, and I think Purdue's just going to get embarrassed. I mean, I don't even think Purdue wants to play this game right now. <laughs> I mean, it's it's a bad look for the program. Yeah. Like, Purdue shows up and they're like, wait, what are we doing here? <laughs> yeah. Uh, we bought tickets uh, yeah. <laughs> at the beginning of the year. <laughs> wait, we're not sitting in the stands? We're participating? Purdue yeah. got the email that uh, they were in the championship game and they thought it was one of those uh, – like Saudi Arabian princes that was trying to get money from them. It's just a scam. It went straight to their scam folder yeah. when they got the email that they were in. I mean, yeah. this is ridiculous. They might they might be late to that game. Um, it's ridiculous. <laughs> no, I, I agree with you. I think at the same time, though, like last week was Michigan's Super Bowl. You know, as much as they are playing for a, uh, another berth in the college football playoff, I think like – so much of their season was riding on that Ohio State game that uh, I think maybe they are running out of a, of gas here a little bit. But I still think 17, they should be able to get that done. I won't be surprised if they don't, just because we've seen this Michigan team struggle with some teams that they should be able to put away. But I think they're rolling at the right time. Their defense is top-notch, uh, top five in the country in scoring. So I'll take the Wolverines. We'll be on the same side for that one. We'll pick uh, Michigan to win the Big Ten championship and lock up more than likely the number two seed in the college football playoff. Um, so some good action, man. We've got conference championships going down this weekend. Lots of good ones uh, that we're looking forward to. Any final thoughts for me before we wrap this up? No, I mean, dude, it's going to be absolutely freaking exciting. I can't wait. I'm absolutely jealous that you're going to be there in Atlanta for the SEC championship game. It's uh, a lot of good ones. Don't forget, this starts on Friday. So by the time yep. you're listening to this, be prepared to get off of work and start watching uh, Championship Week. Yep, absolutely. As always, guys, thank you for listening. Uh, make sure you follow us on Instagram at Saturday6Pod. We would also appreciate a rating, a follow, um, subscribe, turn on those notifications, all that good stuff. And uh, we'll be back next week to recap some uh, conference championship action. Until then, it's AJ, it's Tyler. See ya.